Yeah. Welcome in, everybody. This is this is not a rebuild. We're back just when you thought you'd lost us forever and you were crying into your old style. Uh, we've returned as if from the grave. It is, as we record this, Sunday, November 5th. Uh, and hey, we've got the offseason moving already. Uh, there's been a world champion crown since the last time we spoke. The Cubs have unexpectedly had Marcus Stroman duck away and created an opening in the starting rotation and on the payroll. But they're officially bringing back Kyle Hendricks, Jan Gomes. we got all kinds of things to talk about. Whoa, yeah, I must have missed that. They I have that too. They have some gold glovers. Three. Yeah, but we don't care about that. Officially, this podcast <laughs> does not care about the gold gloves. I, I thought you just didn't care about finalists, but I thought no. you cared about winners. No, that's a separate rant. They're two separate rants, and oh, I, I'm okay. glad you brought this up. They're very important. I've done the rant about the finalists not really being finalists before. I did that last year. Dig through the archives, people. You did. I remember it. But the gold gloves themselves are voted on by coaches throughout the league. Coaches don't know crap. They're they're great instructors. They're incredibly smart baseball people. They are terrible at player evaluation, especially because they spend all their time watching their guys, or they might watch other guys closely to see a tendency they can exploit. They're not watching closely enough and charting closely enough and thinking carefully enough about who's good and who's not and who's a little bit better than someone else who's also good at all the positions around the league, and yet they get handed these ballots. I have no idea why it started out that way or why it remains that way. They should just have writers vote on this. This is why I care about the Fielding Bible Awards, which are voted on by people who care deeply about good fielding and watch defenders closely, many of them throughout the league. Uh, the whole system makes way more sense. The gold gloves suck. There is a reason Rafael Palmero won that infamous one when he spent most of the year at DH. There is a reason <laughs> why for a long time they said you can't win the gold glove if you don't hit enough. Uh, right. Wow. Just a deeply flawed process. But all that said, congrats, Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson and Ian Happ, who, whose second straight win might tell us a little bit about the flaws in that system because I didn't think he was a gold glover this year, but whatever. Uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a great acknowledgement that a lot of what the Cubs wanted to do coming into this season worked, right? They did build a, an excellent up the middle defense and have a good chance to get even better next year. Maybe Pete Crow Armstrong slides in and you've got the whole triangle, right? Uh, but yeah, I don't care about the gold gloves. So that's my so did Garcia of the Rangers got one. Did he get one because of his bat then? Uh, I mean, he's a fine defensive right fielder too. I, there were other guys you could have voted for in the American League, but that one's not like a fraudulent award. It's just, you know, was he the best right fielder in baseball? No. No. But well, now we got you. So I missed the and ready I'm, to go. I missed the announcements. Who who won these uh, that I care about? Well, those three, yeah, Hap, Swanson, Dansby, Nico, and Hap. And for Dansby and Hap, that's two in a row. Nico had never won a gold glove at any position before, I guess, not shockingly. It's not like he's been around forever. 
Uh, but now he's he was the winner at second base. Dansby at short. Uh, for the first time in, I can't even remember how long. I uh, I think it might be nine years. Uh, Cabrian Hayes won at third base in the National League, which means Noah Arenado had his streak of nine straight wow. gold gloves to start his career snapped. Mm-hmm. Had to happen eventually. I mean, you don't. It's re- residual effect for joining the Cardinals. It just took a while before <laughs> yeah. just... the evil seeped into his person. Uh huh. <laughs> he should have known. That's definitely how that works. It is. It's 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 like toxic waste under your house. Eventually, it's going to get you. It just takes time. <laughs> I think it was Brooks Robinson's revenge. No, <laughs> I like it. That's good. No, too. no, he, he he's not vengeful like that. <laughs> reached up from the grave to right. snatch. Uh, yeah, but that those announcements came today. I'm more excited and more interested in the fact that they did, in the wake of Stroman opting out, they exercised the club options on both Kyle Hendricks and Jan Gomes today, which was expected, but I think wow. we also knew, uh, we talked about this last time, that if Stroman was coming back, In order to keep Hendricks, they might need to, rather than just pick up the option, extend him and look at a multi-year deal that would lower the annual average value. That could still happen, but for the moment, they've just picked up that option and are rolling with it. And I think they got the flexibility to do that from Stroman walking away. So that was big news this week. So before we continue um, previewing the 2024 season, I just want to say... um, Thank goodness that that month-long, interminable, terrible postseason is over. That was <laughs> the worst, most boring, pointless postseason I think I've witnessed in all my fandom, which stretches about 50 years. Um, the occasional David versus Goliath story is kind of interesting, kind of. But when it's David versus David, I just kind of start losing interest. Yeah. And wow, thank goodness that's over with. <laughs> yeah, you read these pieces, you know, Dodgers have serious soul searching to do. It's like there's no soul searching. The, the playoffs have 19 rounds and this is going to happen. Although I don't yeah. think we're going to see this again, hopefully for a while. It was pretty crazy. But anyway, good riddance. <laughs> the bad playoffs. I was every that. game 10 to nothing, or is that just my imagination? Sorry, Matt, what were you going to say? No, what did you say? <laughs> I said, was every game 10 to nothing, or was that just my imagination? There were, like, pretty two much games in every series that them. were exciting. Like, you know, 30% of the games probably were exciting. Exactly. That was the real problem. I, In terms of who the teams were who ended up advancing and stuff, it wasn't ideal, but it could have been worse. Those teams played fun brands of baseball in theory. And then they would get together and they just play these relentlessly uninteresting games. (laughs) You know, one team would inch out to a lead and then it wasn't even a comeback by the other team. It would be whichever team already had a lead suddenly had a six run lead. Right. Because they just blew it open by the fourth inning. Yeah. Just, and you know, it's not as new as people want it to be. There was a lot of lamenting the playoff format. And I think you're right. Uh, it went on for a month and that felt way too long. They're going to have to do something or or just hope that it is something we all get used to so it doesn't 
just feels you use the word interminable and that's how it feels to me too like just too much like we we all had playoff burnout by the time the world series started even if they'd been good games um but the other problem is i don't know it, it just didn't when there's not good baseball being played we think it's a historical crisis we want to say oh it's never been this bad before <laughs> yeah I, I was reading roger angel from i think it was maybe maybe 74 something like that uh one of those years when the playoffs actually weren't very good and he was not afraid to just say that sometimes like yeah all right the playoffs happened they kind of let us down but a champion was crowned and now we move on that's how i feel about this year except it hurts more when the playoffs suck now that the playoffs last an entire month and involve almost half the league. It's a different vibe. But we move on. <laughs> Watch next year be the most interesting month of our lives, you know. Be great. Uh, yeah. And I still think there's the potential for that with this playoff format. I don't I don't think, you know, there's been a lot of complaining about the format or questions about its validity. I think we could still see really good baseball through this format. It just hasn't happened in two years of trying. So I don't know. Good for the Rangers. Good for Bruce Bochy. Somehow keeps winning. Somehow overcame an Italian American manager. The curse is <laughs> the long Italian nightmare of baseball's most famous Frenchman is over. Uh, Nobody's <laughs> writing about that, huh? Other than you. I, nobody. I, I know. I'm all alone on this beat. And you broke that one, Matt. Yeah. Things things the lamestream media won't tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> what are they hiding? <laughs> and why? They don't want you to know. No, but we've got it. We've we've put it out there. If people want to know they've found it by now. We're we're the source. The... Yeah. Hey, keep banging that drum. It's important for the little man out there to bring this to light. And to Here's play ethnicities man. against each other. It's something noble that people do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, your other thing that you like to do is is your Juan Soto tracker. That's and, right. And that could be a little more fun if he's wearing blue and red. Raise the stakes, baby. Wow. Yes. Uh, Soto is... I think that's going to be one of the first dominoes of this winter, which is nice when sometimes do you guys remember the, well, we all remember the off season of 2019, 2020, unfortunately, but even before it became famous for what it became famous for, uh, there was the Mookie Betts saga. The Red Sox needed mm -hmm. to trade Mookie Betts. He had one year of team control left. They hadn't been able to extend him, but it stretched on forever. That trade finally happened right on the eve of, spring training and it held up everything else that was supposed to happen that winter it just felt like it hung over the league like a black cloud uh that's not going to happen this time around the padres need to make a move everyone's clear on the fact that they need to make a move and i think they're gonna get a good offer for soto pretty early and move on so yeah let's make it the cubs offer right um not that it's not going to hurt but that would be Really cool. Really, hap, really cool. Hap plus Even a if... player to be named later. 
I don't know. Why does it feel like Morel's not going to be around? Uh, Did you see the ones, the the ones where it was like Soto for Morel, and then Cubs fans saying, "Why would you do this? That doesn't make sense." I, that just why makes me lose my mind. First of all, yeah, why does that not make sense? That makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah, and the well, Padres I, would not do that. You can find internet commenters who will turn down even the most lopsided pretend trade in their team's favor, saying it's not good enough. I never would have made that trade for Babe Ruth. Never. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a very fun genre of stupid person to find and and dunk on. <laughs> but uh, in this case, it was also fueled by and this guy's well tied in. It's good that, you know, his reporting is a lot of how we know that the Cubs are actually interested in Soto. But Bruce Levine went on his baseball show on 670 The Score in Chicago and said, if the Cubs eat all of the money that Soto will be owed this year, which, by the way, there's no other way to do that. Juan Soto doesn't technically have a contract for 2024 yet. He'll be traded before he does have one because he's just going through arbitration. So the only way to acquire one soda is to eat all the money. But anyway, if they do that, a one-for-one deal could be good enough, uh, Morel for Soto. Wow. That's just Bruce processing things, looking back and, you know, working through things as he understands them. I'm here to tell you it's drastically wrong. The Cubs (laughs) cannot get Juan Soto for just Christopher Morel. Um, Sometimes, you know, Bruce is a very good reporter, not as good an analyst. And sometimes when you have to straddle that line, things get away from you a little bit. Uh, That won't happen. But Morel is a fine platform for a Soto trade. And then it also has to involve some pretty impressive prospects from the minors. But that could still be perfectly worthwhile. I guess the question is just going to be, if you do that, it's going to hurt and it's going to sap some of the capital you would have liked to to allocate toward improving your rotation, for instance. Maybe that got easier when Marcus Stroman opted out and you got more money in the budget. Now you, you'd be spending a ton of money on Juan Soto, but you might still have some to throw at a free agent pitcher if you trade for Soto. So you don't need those trade assets that you'd be sending for Soto to get a controllable starter. That kind of thing. But uh, it's sort of a tangled web that leads you to Juan Soto as a Cub because they can't really move Ian Happ or Seiya Suzuki, which means those two and Soto are rotating through right field, left field DH on basically a daily basis. Well, can you imagine how many walks Soto would get with no protection in that lineup? (laughs) I mean, you know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, who is... who? is an opposing pitcher going to be afraid of if Juan Soto is anchoring your lineup, you know, behind and around Soto. It's not that the Cubs don't have good hitters beyond them, but not, not the type that stops you from just issuing him a bunch of intentional walks. So, so which trade do you want? Do you want Soto or do you want Alonzo or do you want both? Can you, can they do both? No, I, well, Could you do both? Yes, but it would be stupid. <laughs> It'd be like, here, we're going to spend Let's 55 million on these <laughs> two <do> players. <laughs> Let's get stupid. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's not like we haven't been stupid before. 
<laughs> it would it at least be the fun kind of stupid. I grant that. Oh, I've but... been. I was stupid today. <laughs> <laughs> no bragging. This isn't. This yeah. is a brag-free podcast. Oh, okay. Well, my we'll grandpa the... always said, "If you're gonna be stupid, be smart." <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. That's that's so how he made his millions. That. I never I yeah. write that one down. Yeah. It's a, it'll be a new weekly segment. Uh, wisdom from DJ's grandpa. In fact, I we could do it live sometime. Um, but you know, Soto plus Alonzo would cost a ton of prospect capital. Plus, you're paying that's fifty five million of your payroll, and then I guess you'd probably try to scramble to extend one of them, but you're probably not going to be able to. They're probably both going to hit free agency mm-hmm. next year anyway. So, yeah, I don't. And then we'll have to hear. Them the the never-ending saga of how how can we extend all these guys that need extending like last time and then we just didn't extend any of them yeah well look this front office now has shown a willingness and an ability to extend right we've got the hap extension we've got the nico extension and that's actually going to be one of the topics we need to look ahead to for this winter are they going to find a way to extend justin Steele? Is that even something we want them to do? He's obviously under team control another few years anyway. But that's something that will probably be on the table. Um, I guess the big thing is Soto, adding Soto would be really cool, really fun, one-year addition. Obviously the superstar of your lineup right away. The bigger challenge is they have to add really good players they control for multiple seasons this winter. That was the challenge last winter because they didn't have enough of it. They still don't have enough really talented players they control for multiple seasons. So they've got to do that again. No. This mm. And Soto doesn't check that box. He makes the 2024 team better, but they have to make both that team and 2025 and 2026 and 2027 better. So is that Soto, you know, does it does Soto augment that project? Possibly, but it, he has to do so by you acquire him like here around Thanksgiving, probably when that trade will bubble up and come to fruition one way or another. And then you use having him in the fold to get some free agent excited about you, to get Yoshinobu Yamamoto or Aaron Nola or Blake Snell, <clears throat> if that's your, your flavor. Um, they've got to make big additions that go beyond 2024 and Soto might be so expensive that he actually sort of inhibits your ability to do that. We'll see. Now we talked about extensions and you, you know how reluctant I am to uh, give any props to Judd or the Connor. Is that his name? Connor, the general Card, manager. Slash... But you were this close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. General manager slash lead custodian. Is that his title? Right. It's one of those. Anyway, I think he's actually assistant custodian. That's very embarrassing. I don't, yeah, he doesn't like to talk about it. That and was I, just I after hate, a recent promotion too. I hate to give them any props, but looking back at those four that we let go instead of extending, three of them, well, two of them suck now, and one is fair. And then there's Schwarber, who I miss terribly, but Schwarber's hitting sixty-five home runs and striking out <laughs> three hundred and fourteen times a season. So, I mean, I love Swarber. I love them all, but they left here and started to stink. So we can't give them too much shit. 
I'm guessing Connor wasn't involved in that anyway. He was probably sweeping something. Well, you forgot about Schwarber's 32 singles that he hit this year, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Each one meticulously <laughs> counted by DJ. He's got, right. got a, a little, one of those old-fashioned balances at home. With He's got little two-pound weights that he puts for every home run and same for every single, but the home run Perfectly side balanced. is heavier. Yeah. Yeah. Hanging lower. Uh yeah. We've done this bit before. I think that's true. And it obviously not on Carter Hawkins at all. He wasn't even part of the organization then. But to me, it's one of the notable and most glaring failures of Theo and Jed that those guys turned out not to be worth extending anyway. That's worse than if they'd been worth extending and you hadn't extended them. At least then you created superstars and kept them star caliber. Then I would have so, faith that you were about to do the same thing with PCA and Kevin Alcantara and whoever. How do you do that, though? Is that the, the development arm that seems to not exist in the Cubs? It, it exists, and they've improved it since. You know, They've improved it over the last couple of years. I think we the big steps forward that Nico Horner's taken are a great example, right? But they didn't do, and some of it's just on the players. Some of it is just on those guys. Some of it is circumstantial or bad luck or whatever. And some of it is on the org that they weren't able to take a Chris Bryant and a Javi Baez and keep them healthy, happy, productive, and adjusting, evolving in a way that would allow them to be good in their 30s just as they were in their 20s. They failed at that very important part of being a good front office. So now we have to see if they've actually gotten over that hump. And Ian Happ is the first test. He had a good year this year. Whether or not he deserved his gold glove, the offense frustrated us very often, but ended up looking pretty good. You know, he made a lot of solid adjustments. So Maybe they've they've turned that corner, but th- that's my big stance on those non-extended guys. Is the real disappointment is the fact that they weren't worth extending. Yeah, I don't know. Well, now we are into the off season, and yes, extensions are part of the story. But the big thing is who can they bring in from outside the organization? We just talked about Soto, the other big mammoth you know, elephant in the room is Shohei Otani. Mm, that's right. This is when we were going to ask Todd to bring out his list, right? I was Todd. about to mention the list. Yes. Do you I have to... a list of people who are not really free agents or haven't been <laughs> seen in the last 24 to 48 months? But Let me see what I can find. Uh, you guys talk, talk amongst yourselves. Remember, if look Ron for a Coomer date when the article it, was written. That one's out of date. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But Otani is obviously, to me, there's it's very no way hard to here. go get Shohei Otani. You're in a, a bidding war with teams who are maybe better positioned in multiple ways. And you can't just say, go sign Otani, you cowards. It's nowhere close to that simple. But when you're talking about trading for Soto and basically slotting him right in as your DH, just sign Otani to be your DH. And next year, he'll also be your ace. And in the meantime, he's almost exactly as good as Soto at the plate. And 
you haven't for multiple years. You, you did check that box of making yourself better for the long term, not just the short term. Oh, and by the way, you didn't trade anybody to get him. You gave up a draft pick, but now you can go trade Christopher Morel and whoever else for one of the Mariners' excess starting pitchers or, you know, something like that. So if they can pull off Otani, I think that should be plan A and Soto should be a plan B. The problem is that's not the order in which you're going to have to make these decisions. And acquiring Soto might be a lot easier than signing Otani. So, you know, is Otani on your official free agent list, Dad, or or we, are we all wrong about him even being available? I, I did see him. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at a list now, though. Oh, come, give me give me a second. This one might be a little bit better, a little cleaner. Um, yeah, I've got uh, uh, Bobby Abreu. Uh, <laughs> AJ, AJ Burnett. Oh, wait. Brian Dempster. Ooh, I know wait. this one. Okay, okay. This is the 2008 to 09 free agent list. You've I think I put in 2014 Adam. instead of 2024. Sorry. Milton Bradley, Moises Salou. <laughs> Let's get Milton Bradley again. Scott Hairston. Scott Hairston's on this list. It says age oh. 43. Cubs legend Scott Hairston. That there is, must uh, be. Are any of the next generation Harrisons going to make it too? Uh, they have to. It's it's. They got to be. It's close. mandated. Yeah. You, I mean, even if he's no good, they're gonna. He has to play in the majors. It's just a rule. That's actually why the Cubs aren't going to sign Otani. They need to hold on to that draft pick to spend on Jerry Harrison the third. Right. The, exactly. Yeah. It, it, you hey, got to be thinking is, around corners in this game. On this list is Ichiro Suzuki, and it says he's fifty. Years old. <laughs> I don't he know is, what this list is now. Actually, let's type something wrong. I think it was only like two years ago that Ichiro was still playing. Uh, like he was just popping up occasionally to play in the Japanese minors or some men's league over there and just dominating mm-hmm. people because you know, forty-eight years old, but he's still Ichiro. Yeah. So, do it. So I mean. I, I don't see the Cubs getting Shohei. I don't see them getting whatever other big name starting pitcher is out there on the market. So they're probably going to get a bat this year, a big bat. And then just because there aren't that many aces kind of available, right? So get the bat this year. I assume there are aces that are going to hit the market next year that they're kind of waiting out on or maybe – trade for before july because those guys might have expiring contracts and you could trade for them and and lock them into a deal or something who are those guys next year do we know i don't know somebody knows but do we (laughs) well dad do you have a a list who is and then i guess to that who would be those like other depth starters that they would kind of you know, those Jameis and Tyons they would grab this year to say, well, we did address pitching. Well, I honestly, I sort of see it the other way. And that a lot of this is in the eye of the beholder. Like, do you like Corbin Burns a lot? Because he'll be a free agent after this coming season. Um, so he would be one ace name right away. Uh, I know Max Fried, Tyler Glass now are scheduled to be free agents next winter um 
But I think the guys I'm looking at are Yamamoto, the 25-year-old coming over from Japan, who just, he just set a Japan series record by striking out 14 in a complete game shutout uh, with his team season on the line. That dude is legit. Uh, Very exciting player. Now, going to cost massive money. We know that that's, that's, and I don't know that the fact that he's going to cost massive money is the problem. The problem is when you're at that scale, you're competing against the Dodgers, you're competing against the Yankees, you're competing against the Giants, you're competing, you know, it's, you're swinging with the big boys. What'd you say? But we, but we should be. Yeah. Should be in an R at least in, uh, in the frequent distinction we have to draw here, right? <laughs> we we end up doing that a lot, but yeah, I, Yamamoto's the guy I'm most excited about. But I think Aaron Nola is just about as good as Burns, and he's available this winter. Blake Snell can be frustrating to watch, man. It's just not fun. <laughs> it's a lot of walks. It's uh, a lot of nibbling around the edges. But he also strikes out a ton of dudes and he's about to bring home his second Cy Young award. So maybe you do want Blake Snell, especially with Stroman leaving. Again, there's there's a little looser purse strings here than we might have anticipated. I also like a lot of sort of the the number two type of guys, the the people you hope Tyone was last winter in this year's class, like Jordan Montgomery, like Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, so I think there are a lot of good pitching options out there. Merrill Kelly. Is Merrill Kelly a free agent this year? Dad. I didn't see that. Was Merrill Kelly even in the league yet when your list was published? I think he was in middle school. I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) He's actually one of the few guys that's older than us. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, well, not by much. We are getting frighteningly old, Deej. But yeah, he's. 35 or 36 so oh he's got one more year on his contract my bad so he'd be one of those for next year but probably not you know he's mid-rotation kind of thing i i think the cubs are aware that they need an if not an ace more of a bat misser someone with just a higher ceiling at toward the front of their rotation and they need it right away i also think come next winter their hope is that they won't really be in the market for whoever qualifies as an ace in that class, the Burns type, because they're looking and saying, hopefully Cade Horton has asserted himself as one of those top two starters in our rotation for years to come by the end of 2024. So they're trying to sign someone right now who might give them a lot of upside, but doesn't necessarily have to be for a long time. So that might make Yamamoto less of a great fit because someone's going to offer him eight or nine years or something silly. Not silly, but, you know, big. Maybe the Cubs are more interested in, like, Sonny Gray, who is our age, age, uh, a tree yeah. lover, dad, yeah, yeah. and uh, had just a phenomenal season with the Twins this year. If you can get him on a three-year deal that's 67 70 million, something like that. He fronts your rotation this year along with steel and then sort of slides into the middle 
back part of the rotation for the rest of his contract. And you're fine with that because you just needed you needed him as that caliber of starter, that sort of co-ace this year, not for the long run. That might be the sweet spot. But I guess we'll see. I haven't heard the Cubs actually tied to Gray at all. So that's just me sort of spitballing. Wait a minute. So I'm looking at the free agent list. I don't know if it's the same one Todd's looking at, but I think it's the right one. Um, Reese Mine Hoskins has Barry Foot on it. How about yours? <laughs> is, is, is Hoskins really not going back to the Phillies, and wouldn't he be someone we'd be interested in? Well, he's a free agent. The Phillies' interest is unclear because Harper spent this whole year or – the part of this year he spent in the field at all, he spent at first base. I think they're not sure how much they can accommodate another bat-only or bat-first guy. So Hoskins, yeah, he might be shoved out into the open water. And I do think he he sort of is this year's Cody Bellinger to the extent that there is one. Right. Lots of upside coming off an injury. Yeah. I like that option. Proving it. Yeah, we'll just see if I, I think that one depends on how quickly he wants to sign and on whether the Cubs end up splashing around in the Juan Soto water, because if they they trade for Soto, you probably don't want to spend another. It'd be something like Cody's 17 million on a roll of the dice at, at first base. But if they don't get him and they need a big bat to slot in somewhere, um Hoskins could be a nice little upside play. And uh, yeah, he's probably looking for that sort of prove it and make good and make your big money next winter kind of deal. I, I like that possibility. But we have a long, we have a couple of weeks here where we need to see how it plays out. And again, how quickly he wants to be signed up somewhere. Probably he's willing to wait out the market. I would guess one of the people he might be waiting to see where they land is Cody Bellinger. So We'll also have to see how serious the Cubs are about bringing him back. I don't know. How can they not be serious? It's just, I mean, give him whatever he wants. Well, I don't know about that, but he did win comeback player of the year, correct? Did I see that? Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, he's yep. what? He's not even 30 yet, right? Uh, yeah, 28 this coming year. I mean, it just seems like. It is an investment that you should make. Um, now, will he revert to his uh, ways of the last couple of years prior to this one? I don't know, uh, but uh, he was—he's—he was the stud. He—he he was the one that you would be afraid of uh, if you walk Soto. It's a uniquely nice fit, just because he probably you know, probably ends up at first base in the long run wherever he signs. But with the Cubs, could start the year in center again and sort of slide to first as PCA shows you that he's ready to take over as the everyday center fielder. That's so seamless and, and smooth and nice. You're already familiar with him. He's familiar with Wrigley. There doesn't need to be a big adjustment period that way. The fear is... I just think he's going to sign for a whole lot of money, guys. I, I I was having this back and forth on Cubs Twitter the other day. 
Chris Bryant signed for seven years and 182 million with the Rockies a couple of years ago. Uh, that was silly of the Rockies. <laughs> they probably outbid the second closest yeah. team by $50 million. We know they're that. good at that. Yeah. Even so, Scott Boris, who got that deal for KB, is going to say Cody Bellinger is hitting the free, the market younger and as frankly just a better player than Chris Bryant. I'm not taking much, at least less than seven and 182. I think seven and 170 is going to be the floor. I think you'll try to get him eight years and a contract that starts with two, 200 million, 220 million, something like that. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot for a guy who has a significant injury history. It's a lot for a guy who will probably be consigned to first base sooner than later. It's a lot for a guy who hit for good power last year, but A, not overwhelming massive power, and B, power that was sort of like he was hitting a lot of wall scraper homers he wasn't hitting 430 foot bombs that will go out even when they're 420 foot bombs in four years you know he's it feels a little more fragile than the same stat line attached to a guy who hits at 112 miles an hour off the bat all the time like Adolis Garcia or something so those are the arguments against signing him and also, it sounds like he and Boris, as they usually, as Boris usually is, are willing to take the bidding on him pretty deep into the winter, which I always hate. Uh, it locks you up and it sort of forces you to watch other possibilities go by. But they may have to do it. And certainly, I think they will try to keep the door open for him to come back for as long as possible because it was a good fit. And it would still be a really good fit with this particular roster going into next season. It's just uh, he's got to be he's got to be smart enough to not not drag that out and end up on a team where he just wastes away forever, right? He doesn't seem like a I just want a massive contract type guy. I mean, KB just didn't seem to care, and it was like, whoa, that much? All right, I guess I'll go there and just end my career and be done with it. He won his world series and was fine with it. I don't know. I think feel like Bellinger wants to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, he's not Dansby Swanson. He is, does not seem like the kind of guy who is so driven by winning that that's going to be right. a primary factor. I think, and I, I don't mean this as a slight or anything. It's, it's true of ever. I think Cody Bellinger likes money. I think if you, and we, I've said this before on this show too. Just because a guy signs for the team that with the team that's willing to pay him the most money doesn't mean he was only going for the money. Often the team that ends up paying the most money is the team that showed you the most respect and the most serious intention of working with you during the whole courting process. And then at a certain point, you went to your agent and said, this is the team. They like me better than anybody else out there. Get the best deal you can from them and let's go forward. I think that's probably what's going to happen with Bellinger too. And I think at this moment, if you're asking me, I think there's a decent, like a 30% chance or something that the Cubs are that team. That There's more, there's clearly a little more mutual interest between these two parties than with 
for instance, Wilson Contreras last winter. But I, I don't know. I, I wish I felt either more confident in Bellinger's production over the long run or less confident in Boris's ability to extract a mega deal for him yeah. right now. Because uh, I, I sort of am worried, not that he's going to bust, but just I think he's going to get a very Bryant-like contract and I think his production could look fairly Bryant-like over the next few years. Hmm. Probably, hopefully, better. Obviously, we all are bummed at how things have gone for KB and Denver, but I don't know. That's that's when my is, feeling on it. You know, this would all get a lot easier if Boris would just hang it up. I mean, he's <laughs> 71 years old already. He's got, I mean... Probably an absolutely absurd amount of money. Why is the guy still ruining our lives and baseball <laughs> off seasons and uh, trade deadlines? I I love Scott Boris, and I I not only hope but expect that he will live forever and never get <laughs> one day older. Um, it's because he has no soul. Yeah, it yeah. helps. It really it does. Uh, it, He's just a Southern California vampire and he's never going to <laughs> never going to fade away. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not against guys getting paid a bunch of money and I wish I didn't have to worry about it in this particular context. But my big thing is we saw the, the turtle shell act that the Ricketts pulled after the Jason Hayward deal blew up on the, they're clearly going to use any failure of a free agent splurge to justify not spending in the future. Even if it's quietly, even if it's just a partial justification, they're not just going to, I hate this expression because it's not really what you're doing, but they're not going to even perceive themselves as throwing good money after bad, the way Steve Cohen might or Steinbrenner did in his glory days. You make a mistake and the Ricketts will make you pay for it as the front office. So that makes me want to see this front office be a little more conservative than I'd otherwise like them to be. And that's a problem in Bellinger's specific case because I kind of feel like there's not a good way to be conservative with him. I don't know. None of but which luckily, is Scott Morris as well. Luckily, there's a uh, free agent on the center fielders list that I think we can, if we we could pick him up and and slide him in there for Bellinger pretty I mean Jake Marisnik, come on. He's Oh God. <laughs> Another on, Cubs legend. We're he's we're right there. The... So I will pass. Quickly replaced uh Bellinger if, if Bellinger doesn't sign with the Cubs. So I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. Marisnik and Scott Harrison. I think if we now uh, <laughs> call for David DeJesus and Mike Fontenot, yeah, the Cubs can do this. Build the dream. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to not watch. <laughs> well, Deej, I have good news. I don't think you're actually going to be subjected to any of those players in 2024. Uh, one way or another, I think this is going to be a fun offseason. It's going to be a very interesting, very sort of high stakes and mm, unpredictable offseason. But right now, 
all the news we have is is good, encouraging, and if anything, surprising on the high side with Stroman giving them more financial wiggle room than we might have expected. Hendricks and Gomes locked in to come back along with the core that we already knew was there. Uh, the Cubs have something to build from and plenty of resources with which to go try to make some of the big splashes we talked about here. For this week, I think we'll stop it right there and we'll come back next week and see what further progress has been made because free agency will open in earnest uh, this coming week in a couple of days. And after that, and after some of the the other dominoes fall, like there's still a bunch of managerial vacancies that could shape some teams' plans for the winter. We'll just see where things have settled and where they might continue to go. For now, uh, sounds good to me. Again, this is not a re- this is this is not a rebuild. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. If you're not finding us through one of those means already, uh, subscribe to our show there. Rate and review us. Let us know uh, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. You want to hear less of me. Uh, I No one's actually said that, but I feel it. I talk too much on this show, and we're going to keep trying to ameliorate that problem. I don't think uh, we should. Wait a minute. One we, thing before we leave. Uh-oh. I do like that you talk a lot. So two <laughs> things. I got one more thing. Uh, I was right about Strowman. I yes. told you he was going to bet on himself. Yeah, you guys did not believe me, and look what he did. Yeah, well, I don't think good that was point. a good idea. But I'm gonna roll this year. <laughs> <laughs> Between this and the 83 wins, I man. Yep. We should really we should make this instead of just having um, a podcast that hardly anyone listens to. We should have you start writing these things down and send it to. Jed or Carter, because he'll read pretty much anything, I would think, as it's like a resume. Nothing else to do. Yeah. Get or you hired, man. Heard, yeah. I believe it was Judd and Colin or what? what Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Judd and Connor. Judd and Colin definitely do drive time on ESPN Radio 1000. That's, <laughs> that's where you've heard those names. All right. Well, yes. The big takeaway here, DJ was right, as he so often is. Uh, and we'll come back next week and see what he's been right about in the interim maybe that means Juan Soto will be a Cub by the next time we talk that would be cool Uh, until then I'm Matt Trueblood we got DJ Fox, Todd Trueblood Tom Nurse is back to chatting up Australians but he was here we promise and we'll talk to you all next week thank you boys goodbye gentlemen Uh, Thank you.